Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you all. Glad you're here. We'll get to this in a minute. Uh, we, ha- we have uh, oil and a lighter and something else going on this morning. So, Jess, can you hold this for me and tell him I need it? Thanks. Perfect. Um, before we get into the message this morning, I just wanted to take a, a moment. We prayed for the kids. Uh, I would love to just pray over and bless our, our teachers um, and administrative staff, counselors, anybody who's working in schools. That's an incredibly challenging environment to be in, um, and so I'd, I'd love for you to stand, if that's you. Um, if you're a teacher or you work in schools in any, any capacity in any way, um, you are leading the future, um, speaking truth into the future. So if you're around those people, would you lay hands on them? And let's just take a moment to pray over them. Just the people who are around you, just lay hands over them. Learn their name if you don't know their name. And just bless them and, and uh, let's pray for them just for a moment here. For the coming year and for the work they're going to be doing. The lives they're going to be influencing. So Father, we speak a blessing over our teachers, over the administrators, over staff, over people who work in the schools. Lord, hold them up. Shield them. Keep their hearts pure. Keep their eyes on you. May they be a light um, in where they are. Whether they're in schools that that uh, are, are private schools of faith, places or public schools, Lord. Um, may your light shine and may your gospel and your kingdom manifest and, and pour forth because of these people. We ask these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. That's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to look at one uh, passage of scripture there. We're going to be there the whole time. So we're just going to hover in Matthew 25, these words that Jesus uh, has to say as he's going to the cross. Uh, before we get into Matthew 25, though, I just want to uh, briefly share with you, um, did everybody get one of these cards when you came in this morning? Okay, anybody not get one of these cards? Okay. Can we have ushers hand these out to, to those who didn't grab cards? Um, or get them on the way in. So just keep your hand up real quick, and we'll come by and, and, uh, and get one of these to you. And while the ushers are handing these out, what this is is a copy of our vision statement. And this morning is actually the final message that uh, we're teaching as we teach through this vision statement. We've spent the entire year teaching through the vision statement. Um, several years ago, probably three years ago now, we started with a process with the elders where we, where we sensed the movement of God that we needed to reevaluate what the, how the Lord was directing us and, and prompting us, and that uh, led us into a time of prayer, of discernment. And then we started a process um, six or eight months later. Uh, Mike helped us. We had this great uh, vision coach that helped take us through, and that took a year and a half process. We formed a vision team, and the vision team um, came up with, based on what, what the Lord was saying, what the people were saying, and, and wrote this vision statement that you have in your hand. And the reason that I want you to have it in your hand is to carry it with you, to hold on to it, to put it in your Bible, to put it in your pocket, your purse, um, and bring it out and, and be reminded of what the Lord has called us to. Now, these are not just words on, on a piece of paper. 
Um, these, we believe that the Lord spoke to us as a community of faith and gave us this as a commission to live out. And so we've been teaching through that and trying to go step by step through each of the sections. And so I'm just going to briefly go through this before we get into to Matthew 25. But the first part is it talks about that we are a community of disciples of Jesus Christ. And so that talks about, obviously, community, you can't do it by yourself. Uh, community needs more than one person to be a community. And so together we do this. Together we're invited into this. But also, on our own, we have our own individualistic walks of faith that need to be cultivated and, and worked at so that we can pour into the community. And then that results in discipleship. And so discipleship is a big part of who we are at Washington. It has been for years. Um, but that's what we're, we're called to. We're not called to be converts. We're called to be disciples, and we are called to be disciple makers. Uh, each and every one of us who has a relationship with the Lord is called to be a disciple maker. So that's the first part of the vision statement. And the second part of the vision statement it says, embodying the power and the giftings of the Holy Spirit. Now that is something that, that is um, not something we haven't done before, but it hasn't been a, a major front and center focus for us as, as a community of faith. Um, so that's a newer thing that we've been focusing on and, and looking at. And embodying means to literally take something on. Um, when God came to earth, he, he embodied uh, humanity in, in the form of Jesus Christ. And so taking on the power and the giftings of the Spirit of God. And the scriptures talk about the gifts that God gives us. We call them spiritual gifts. You see them in 1 Corinthians 13, 14, and 15 and other places. Uh, Romans and, and uh, Ephesians talks about those things. But literally to take those things on and believe them as if they are true for today. And Ephesians tells us that these things are given to us to literally make us like Jesus. Uh, given to the church until we are made in the image of God, and the fullness of God, and Jesus returns. And so until that happens, those gifts are still in play, and we need to learn about those, and grow in those, and trust in those, and learn to walk in the Spirit in that way. And then the next section talks about cultivating, cultivating a space for healing. Um, that means creating a space for it to happen, being open to it, having the faith that God still moves in that way. And healing looks like a great many things. It's physical healing, it's emotional healing, it's spiritual healing. When we give our life to Christ, we are being spiritually healed and, and moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so beginning to pray for healing, to expect God to move in those ways. And then finally, what we've been talking about all summer long is living in and expanding God's kingdom on earth. That we believe that God's kingdom is here and it's coming in its fullness. And that as believers, we have um, part of our job description is to live into that kingdom and to believe that that kingdom is being manifest, and then to help move that kingdom forward and expand that kingdom in this world. And so that's, that's our vision statement at Washington Church. That's what we're about. That's what our focus. Um, and we use this vision, or we are using this vision as a staff and as elders to funnel everything that we do through that lens to ask ourselves, does this align with our vision? And if so, we're doing it. And, it, and, it, and if it's a great idea, but it doesn't align, we say that's a great idea, but we're going to set it aside for now. And so I want to wrap up this series this morning in, in Matthew 25 uh, with this brilliant parable that Jesus tells. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to use that parable as a frame or a lens through which we see our vision and understand our vision as a whole. And the invitation that we have as people, as followers of God, to receive what it has for us and prepare ourselves to receive what God has for us. Because there needs to be a preparation in order to receive. As much as I would love it, we can't just show up and then, boom, God uses us in, in the way to the extent that God's calling us to be used in this vision statement. God has to mold us and shape us into the people that God trusts us in 
and with, and then God will begin to use us in that way. There was a, a, a documentary video I was watching about Navy SEALs and training, and I found it fascinating. He was, this man was being interviewed, and he was talking about what he called the first instinct and the second instinct. The first instinct, he said, was what you naturally do right away. And, and a lot of that, if you study psychology in its basic level, is, is uh, survival. You know, the fight or the flight, right? And, and as they kind of screen Navy SEALs, obviously they want more fighting than flighting people to be Navy SEALs. So it's, it's a very rare group of people that make this cut and go through this rigorous training. But what the guy was sharing is, he said, when you find yourselves in situations that probably, God willing, none of us will find ourselves in, um, in the physical at least, that you're being shot at or you have to return fire or you have to advance or, or take something or, or do whatever, all the different things that they're called on to do. Um, he said, it's the second instinct that you want to rely on. And the second instinct is that which is drilled into them. And so they're taught it and then they practice it over and over and over again. And he said, even, you know, it's either how to shoot the gun or how to breathe when you're in, in a highly stressful situation. Or they're taught to en- envision and picture the outcome of what's going on and what they're, what they're having to do next. And, uh, and what he said is, is, even after all the training you have, your first instinct still rises to the surface. And he says that you recognize that first instinct and then, but you, but you wait. You don't act on that first instinct. You wait for the training to kick in next, because it will. But he said it only comes after you've drilled it hour, hour, weeks, months, years of training that these guys do. And he said that's the one you trust. So this morning, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about that secondary training that we're all invited into as followers of Jesus, because oftentimes the first initial can be our sinful nature that rises to the surface. And we have to, to, it's not always the case, but, but, but it often is. And so we have to be aware of that, to acknowledge that, and then to say, what is that secondary training that the Lord has brought me through or brought me to, to enable me to do what God's called me to do? And so in the Gospel of Matthew 25, Jesus tells this story. He says this, at that time, the kingdom of heaven, and that's what we're talking about, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, <clears throat> will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay, so he begins to tell a story about this parable, but the parable with Jesus is always based in, in, in a, a reality. Because this is what rabbis would do. They'd look around and they'd see something that's tangible and they'd teach on that thing that everybody would know and everybody would recognize. So let me give you some background on what this looks like because this is very foreign to us in our culture. During a wedding ceremony, a part of the wedding ceremony, what would take place is at a certain time, the, the groom would show up. And when the groom showed up, there would be a, an escort into this, this wonderful ceremony, and it would be um, 10 virgins. I don't know why there's 10, but there's 10. Um, and they would escort him in. And they would have these things called lampstands, and they would each have one. It would be a pole, and then at the top, it was a lamp. And at the top of the lamp, or you had to fix it, huh? It fell apart. No? Oh, I don't know how that happened. But uh, there was a wick at the end, and then they, they would uh, add a little bit of oil down here at the bottom, and they'd light it, and then they would carry it in, okay, ten of them. And it would be like this um, parade into this ceremony, and it would happen at night. It would happen after the sun went down, for whatever reason, I don't know. Most of the weddings that I go to happen when the, light, the sun is up, but um, this, this is how they do it. 
And the, the 10 women would be waiting for the groom to show up. And, and it wasn't, uh, the way it worked, it wasn't that there was, um, you know, invitations sent out way before and all the pomp and circumstance. I mean, that happened back then, but it wasn't the same. An invitation was sent out maybe two weeks ahead of time. And the invitation would essentially say, hey, a wedding's going to happen on this date or around this time. And part of the, um, the, the whether it's going to happen or not is depending on how ready the house is that the groom is preparing for his bride. This is why Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and I'll come back and get you. That's wedding language in, in, the, in, uh, in John that, that Jesus is referring to. And so when the house is ready enough, then the groom then comes... And there's an announcement, and of course, everybody in the village that they lived in and around knew the couple and knew what was going on, and, and because they'd been engaged and the, the date had been announced, or it's, it's around this time, and everybody knew that when that happened, you drop everything you do and you, and you show up to the wedding. That's what you do. Okay, here we have all kinds of things that happen to hap- have to happen ahead of time, and really, actually, nowadays, we have so many other things that keep us so busy um, that a wedding is something we add to our schedule, but the wedding was the only thing going on at the time. You know, it was like you go to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and then you wait for major events like that to happen. And if, if a major event like that happened, you didn't miss it. because It was a chance to gather and celebrate and party, and so it was an important thing. But a part of that was these ten women would be set aside, and it was an extreme honor for them to be invited into this procession. Um, because it could mean that, <clears throat> that not unlike weddings today, that you, you were basically put on display um, and you were walking in with your flames lit and you're carrying them in, lighting <clears throat> the announcement of the groom coming in. And it could also mean that you were uh, put yourself on notice that you were available for other suitors. And so it was a big deal to be asked to be a part of the party and, and their one job was to light the way to, for the groom to enter the ceremony and, and then to have this banquet and this party that would, that would happen. All right, we'll get back to that in a second. <clears throat> so that, that's, that's how the story starts. And, but the imagery here that Jesus is talking about is, is very much a, um, what they call a messianic um, age. Isaiah talks about this, the great banquet that would take place, that, that everybody would be invited to, everybody of faith, that God would gather his people together on his holy mountain and they would celebrate life. Okay? And Jesus is weaving that metaphor into this story in Matthew 25. So that's the first part. The next part, we are, we are told, verse 2, five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took in oil in jars along with their lamps. Okay, so we have this image of, of five wise and five foolish, as Matthew talks about. And Matthew has a tendency to have extremes um, in his storytelling. So he has... Um, Foolish and wise, that sounds, that sounds pretty mean, actually, um, to, to label them as such. But according to Matthew, the difference between the foolish and the wise is the preparation and what they've readied themselves for, the task that they had at hand. And so he talks about the, the wise ones have, have uh, oil in their lamps and the foolish ones do not. Okay? Oil in this story, I believe, is the fuel that causes faith to burn. Okay, I brought oil in here that I found in my office that somebody gave me at some point because I have a lamp, a kind of traditional Jewish lamp in my office. Um, and you, you put oil on it and the wick soaks in it and then you light the end and it, and it lights up. 
and it works very effectively, and that's how they, they lit things. But in this, this image, in this, in this metaphor, this parable, um, the oil is what allows the flame to burn, so to something to catch on fire in the first place. And so as you reflect on, well, what is oil then? What does it mean to have oil? And in my mind, it's, it's oil is, is that time spent with the Lord. Oil is, is the time in your prayer closet. Oil is taking yourself before God in, in submission. Oil is repentance. Um, oil is, is study of the scripture and the word. Okay, all those things are oil. And, that, and when we soak our wick in those things, when, it, when a spark is lit, because they didn't have lighters like we do, when they were able to spark that or light it off another light, boom, it would light right up. Why? Because the oil was, there was enough oil there to light the flame. And then we have this, this image of the flame or the light that Jesus talks about. We, we see this earlier in Matthew 5. He talks about a city on a hill as like a light. He talks about if you have a light, why would you put anything over it to cover it in a room? That doesn't make any sense. And so the light is really the gospel lived out in our lives. It's the kingdom of God on display for others. But the kingdom of God cannot be on display for others unless the oil is present and the oil is soaked in the wick. Does that make sense? Okay, you're tracking with me? And so the difference between the wise and, and the foolish are that the wise are the ones that took the time to steep themselves in the oil and they were ready. And the foolish ones are the ones that just went out and expected that they wouldn't need to steep themselves in the, in the oil or even bring oil with them. And they could just light it and go, and everything would be fine. And we see in the parable that that's not the case. But here's the other thing that was fascinating as I sat with this image. And, and uh, because the, it's, it's not that everybody knew you had to bring extra oil with you. See, when, when you have a, a lamp like this, it's something you have in your home. And so it's something that's used. And this is probably one that was for ceremonies and, and special occasions. But this was a common thing. And, and so what I read into this, or my understanding of this, is that <clears throat> the five foolish ones believed that whatever oil had been soaked in previously was, was enough for the moment. But it wasn't. Okay? And I want us to get this. They relied on what, what they thought was, was in the past. They relied on yesterday's oil or yesterday's bread for today's meal. And they would find that it wasn't enough. They assumed that the old oil that they had in there would be enough. They're, and what is that? I think, I believe it's the old way of seeing God. The old way of understanding God. The old way of walking in faith. And they believed that that was sufficient to take them into something new. And it wasn't. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Because this is important for us as a community of faith to understand this. Because when the Lord brings you into a new season or wants to do a new work, relying on old ways or old understandings of God to interpret new movements of God will often never work. And you will end up frustrated and in this parable left out and lost. And the doors will be shut. That's why we have to keep growing. We have to keep cultivating. We have to keep saying, Lord, there's more of you. I want more of you. And starting next week, we are starting a series on creating space for God in our lives. Because one of the best ways to be used by the Lord or to be open and available to God is, is we have to have enough room in our lives to, to, to be available. And most of us, if we're honest or not, as I've sat with many people, 
One of the themes that comes up over and over again is the busyness of life or the schedules that we live. It's just crazy. And we get frustrated that the Lord's not moving, but is there space for the Lord to move in our lives with everything that's going on? So that's next week. Verse 5, the bridegroom was long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So this is, this is interesting because the issue is not that they fell asleep, because the wise and the foolish both fall asleep. So it's not about falling asleep. Again, it's about the preparation ahead of time before you arrive to the place that you were. And again, this, this would happen at, at night after the sun went down. And so in that time, in that place, uh, it could be 5 o'clock, the sun goes down. It could be 9 o'clock when the sun goes down. But it says it was midnight when the guy showed up. So the dude was late, okay? I don't know who starts a wedding party at midnight, but I'd be tired too. I can't even make it past 1030. So I don't have blame for these women whatsoever. I get it. But that's what happened in the story. He came late. Verse 6, at midnight the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps, meaning they lit them. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. So whenever I read this parable in the past, I always had this, this in mind that the, the women were standing out there waiting for the bridegroom to show up, and they lit their, their lamps, and they were waiting, and then eventually he was so long in coming that the lamps went out. That's not what happens. They don't light the lamps until the bridegroom comes. So they all woke up. It's midnight now. The bridegroom was late in coming. And that's, again, a metaphor that Jesus is using for the, the return of the Messiah, that you never know the time and the place, and so you have to be prepared. And so they all get up, and they begin to light their lamps. And in here, it even says, all of the lamps lit, even the lamps of the women who didn't bring extra oil with them. Because it says, our lights are going out, are going to go out. We need more oil. Do you see the difference? I always thought five lit them, and they worked. Five didn't light them because they... they they didn't do what they were supposed to do, and then they, and they went on. But that's not the case. They all lit. Why? Because there's, there's residue from, from previous oil that's on there. And so that was lit, and then that burned up, and it didn't get them to the end of where they needed to go. Because again, we need that fresh oil from the Lord. We need that constant connection. And then they said to the, to the ones that had oil that brought them with them, hey, can you share some with us? And, and, and this is one of the, the parts of the passage that's always confusing to me because Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of God, isn't there enough for everyone? And then later on when, when he shuts the door on them and he says, you're not coming in, it, that's hard too. It's like, well, wait a minute. Isn't, does that, how does that align with the heart of God? And so that's something I still wrestle with. But I think what's going on here is that, is that if the oil is the fuel that lights the faith, and the oil is something that you're steeped in and you're cultivating on a regular basis. Again, we're dealing with a metaphor here. My hours in prayer with the Lord, my weeks, my months, my years in prayer with the Lord, I cannot simply hand to you if you ask, if you ask that of me. Nor could you receive it in that moment if I were able to give it to you. Because there's a steeping that needs to happen. There's a transformation that takes place in our souls as, as we 
dip ourselves in the oil of the Lord, that, that you just can't give that away in the moment. And you also can't receive that in the moment. Does that make sense? That's, that's not an easy thing to understand. And so we look at the five wise ones and we're like, you're mean. Why don't you just share? We're taught all our lives to share, right? We teach the kids, share. This is not something you can easily just give away and share. And, it, and you can't just show up and expect that you can do whatever you want. God's just going to use you. If you go and do, if you live your life however you want, you show up and you think that God's going to use you in that way, God can because God is very graceful. But God wants people who are steeping and readying themselves and awake enough to receive the work that God has for them. And so those who, were, who did that work were able to light. Let's see if this works. I soaked it in oil earlier. And uh, it was actually hard to put out. So I, just heads up. I was reminded when I got this out, Maggie was... How many of you guys remember the, the sheep that I brought in? Okay, there's a handful of you. Uh, my, my first year here as an intern, I brought a sheep in because I was teaching on Psalm 23. A live sheep. Yeah, yeah. Dean Horn and I went and got it. It was like this big. When we went to pick it up, I was expecting like a baby lamb. And we got this full-grown, massive sheep. And I put a small gate around the stage and I preached down here. And there, there was a woman there who's, who's in a, a mobile chair at the time, like an electric that she would move around. Wilma, blessed Wilma. She's not, she's not alive anymore. But um, I was preaching. And as I was preaching, I could hear like footsteps. Like it was starting to get restless. And we actually, we didn't have this fancy stage here. We had like a, a stage you could take apart. And I reached down and I tied the sheep to the stage so it wouldn't get out, you know, because the gate wasn't going to do anything. It was kind of a Anyway, the sheep ended up jumping the gate in the middle of the message, but it was tied to the stage. And so it was down here writhing around, around poor Wilma, who couldn't move anywhere. And we had to undo the, the sheep, walk, walk it out as it pooped all the way out the door. And, uh, and so Maggie's like, ah, oh, and, and I'm, I'm absolutely certain that no one heard anything I said that morning. But if you're here, you remember the sheep. The Gruels remember, Maggie remembers, and rem you know, those who were around, gosh, 15, 17 years ago. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. I didn't know that. Anyway, so if this burns up, I think we're good because it'll stop with this thing. Ida, it's somewhere in here. It's in the office, I think. If we, if we got to get it, I'll hand it back to John. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that would work too. Oh yeah, see it's burned out. So there you go. No preparation. So the oil that I put on here, I, I think I lit three or four times and it like lit up really well and uh, it didn't work. So it's burned out. That's exactly what would have happened with, with the ones that, uh, but I got more oil. I'll throw it somewhere else, Ginny, if it starts to go. So this is what happened. So perfect illustration. I didn't even work this out. 
So they got out their oil and they, and they uh, would have dipped it in and it was just enough. That's probably enough. Well, that's probably too much. We'll close that so that nothing happens. And then, they, and then they lit it after they brought out their extra oil. And it was able to light. And that was the difference. This is what made me nervous. It starts to work its way down to the, <laughs> to the paper plate. They didn't make the rest out of paper. Corey's going to get the fire extinguisher. <laughs> but you can see how that worked. Oh, it's stopping. We're all right. We're okay. We're good. See, it worked. We're good, we're good. It doesn't smell good anymore up here. Maybe I shouldn't blow on it. But that's exactly what took place in this parable. And that's what it, that's what it looked like. And that's the invitation for us this morning. Verse 10, but while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived so the, the, the foolish ones took off and they tried to buy oil someplace else um, and who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Okay? Let me share this with you. I don't know where you go to buy oil at midnight, but uh, any other source of oil will not do. There is only one oil we can steep ourselves in. And that's Jesus, period. And through the direction of the Spirit of God, that's how it works. That's the design. But we have to do it ahead of time. Again, this is not about getting into heaven. This is about being used by the Lord. This is about receiving the vision that, the, that God has given us. Because it comes back, it says, Later the others came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. So what they were tasked to do, they could not do. These five unwise women. They had a job to do and they couldn't do it. Why? Because they did not prepare themselves. They did not steep themselves. They did not have the oil that they needed to light the fire to do what God asked them to do. To receive the groom and to walk the groom in. In that procession or that parade. Finally, he says this, therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Essentially, he's saying, wake up, people. Wake up. Keep watch. Keep alert. Heads up. Don't be caught unready for the movement of God. There's an unexpected change in plans, yes, but that shouldn't have mattered. They should have been ready. The bridegroom was late, but he revealed himself because he finally came. And as a church, we are invited into this vision statement. Some of us are ready. Some of us are not. Some of us are saying, we look at this vision statement and we think, wow, that's exciting. Let's go forward into what the Lord has for us. Some of us look at this vision statement and we say, I wonder how this is going to go. I'm not so sure about this. I'm not so sure about this Holy Spirit thing, about this healing thing. What does discipleship mean? What does advancing the kingdom mean? What does praying for healing mean? I've never done that before. Ever been in a church community that's talked about that before or seek that before? And yet that is the call for us as a community. And so what we're being invited into the, this morning, or, or this is the reminder I want us to have, 
is that we need to steep ourselves in the Lord. And the reason I gave you this to hold on to is that you would bring this out and you'd look at it and you'd say, you'd ask yourself and you'd evaluate yourself. Not only are we doing this as a, as a community of faith, but we're doing this as individuals. How's my discipleship? What does my discipleship look like right now? Well, how am I discipling others? How am I pouring myself into others? What does my openness to the movement of God and the Holy Spirit look like? Am I close to it? Am I afraid of it? So we take that to prayer. We, Lord, we say, Lord, this is the call you've given to us, to the community that I'm a part of. Whether or not I'm comfortable with, with that or not is not the point. The point is that that's what the Lord has spoken to us. So we receive what God has given to us. You go through the history and you read God's word and you see time after time, person after person, were any of those people ready to do the work that God had for them? No. I can't think of one. And the ones that thought they were, God didn't use them. God used the ones that weren't ready. But those people had a heart that was steeped in the Lord. They had a desire to serve. And beginning next week, we're going to look at different people who've created space for God in their lives. And so God used them. So we want to be those people. We want to be a community of faith that is readying ourselves, saying, Lord, I don't know about this, but I trust you with it. I'm not sure about stepping out into this, but I know you're in it, and so I'm going to follow. And and I'm not going to trust the first instinct I have, I'm going to trust the second one, that I've steeped myself in your word, and so I ask that instinct to rise up, and I want to be faithful to that in prayer, and do what God's inviting us to do. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. With just a few moments left that we have together, we're going to to pray together. I'm going to invite you to get into groups with his vision in hand, and to pray for the readiness over one another. Pray for our hearts. Pray for the oil of God to to soak us and ready us for what God has for us. Because that's what we want to be. We want to be people who are posture ourselves to be ready to be used by God. Don't you want to be used by the Lord? Don't you want to see God work in and around us? We've, We've been given what we're supposed to do. Here it is. The Word of God fills in the gaps in that, teaches us how to do that. And our time in prayer forms us and shapes us. And then we need the community to speak truth over us, encourage us, prophesy over us, pray over us. And all of that together is is the oil that readies us for the spark when the spark comes. So that we can light our lamps and we can walk in and we can be a part of that procession so we don't catch ourselves off guard. That's what we're doing. That's what we're preparing ourselves. That's why we spent the year teaching through this vision statement because it was important enough to talk about for 365 days. And now we're going to move into what does that practically look like? We're not, we're not moving on because we fully got this, but I feel like we've gotten this enough that we can move on. So I want to do this. Let's just take a couple minutes, and, and I, want to, I want to encourage you. If this is your first time here at Washington, that's okay. Um, I, I'm always told by people, I don't like it when you ask us to pray with other people. I hear that. I acknowledge that. And it's time to pray with other people. <laughs> and I, I bless you introverts. Because I'm married to one. So I know what it's like. And I can go in and out of being extroverted and introverted. And I get it. But man, if we can't pray with the people in this room, how are we going to pray with anybody outside this room? Right? And the Lord is calling us outside these walls, not just inside these walls. And so we need to grow that muscle. We need to grow that courage. We need to grow that 
uh, awareness and awakeness so that God begins to use us. So if you're here for one Sunday and that's it, that's okay. You can, to have somebody pray for you that, that your heart would be readied and, and God would steep you in new oil, that's a good thing. You can take that anywhere you go. But if you're here and you've been here or you're, you're trying to figure out if you're going to stay here or not, man, this is the direction we're going in. This is the desire of the Lord for us, and this is what we're going to seek after with all we got. And we're going to keep steeping the oil and lighting the fire, because that's what we're called to do. And God's going to use us if we honor that. So we're just going to take a few moments. Again, turn around, find a couple people, and pray for each other. And pray around that oil, pray around that readiness, pray around waking up with this vision that we're called into. And then we'll worship We'll sing one last song together, and then we'll, then we'll have a connection event for those who are going to hang out and do that. So go ahead and do that. Move around and go pray with one another. Let's say this together as a community of faith. We are a community of disciples of Jesus Christ, embodying the power and the giftings of the Holy Spirit, cultivating space for healing, living in and expanding God's kingdom on earth. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.